0: think we need to show people what the future is and show people what they'll be able to do there is I, uh, I just fundamentally feel like um, that like first 10 years of e-commerce has less people build online stores sure but we've come like we're like 1% complete I feel like there's, there's just so much more to do um, and over the next like 20 years things will look
1: I think mean, we'll look back on how things are now and think it's all
2: quite
1: funny. Hey, Bob WP here, and welcome to Do the Woo episode 169. This show is brought to you by Yoast.com with their big Black Friday sales coming November 25th, and also Clavio with their information packed 2021 Clavio consumer report. So let's join co host Ronald Jizzle and Jonathan Wold as they dive into marketing your WooCommerce products.
2: I feel you don't really need an introduction, so shall we just jump in with the subject? Because today the subject for me is all about marketing, and it's product market marketing in the WooCommerce uh, ecosystem, or maybe you know in the wider WordPress. There's so much going on, but I think we always come down back to the three main questions, and I'm going to just throw it in, throw the subject right in the middle. Let's do it. And then we, we just roll with it. So uh, first up, the market. What is the market for a WooCommerce premium product is it? Is it really straightforward? Is it a, a an evolving market, or do we need to create our own market for yeah, anything that we create? Jonathan, I know these are really big questions, so just just share your thoughts. Just just <laughs> lay them bare. What's going on in your mind?
3: I think my first thought with the market uh, is is that it's growing. Right? We know that it's growing. We see we see a lot of growth in different ways. The question is, where is it growing, and what opportunities does it provide? For plugin for product creators. One of the parts of the market that I've been paying more attention to lately is the top end, like how much growth is there on on the, the bigger stores for WooCommerce, where presumably, and at least anecdotally, people are spending a lot more money, they're more willing to spend money on products and services. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm really curious for Alex's thoughts because he takes, in my experience, more of a data-driven and analysis approach to this. Uh, anecdotally, and drawing from my, my past experience, one of the things that I noticed having worked at Woo up until early this year, they, they're growing a significant customer success team, which I think is a really positive indicator about a trend that I've been seeing overall, which is larger and larger stores coming into the space. And there being more and more of a need for, they're like, hey, who do we talk to? They Obviously, there's, there's fantastic service providers. It was a really positive move for me and an indicator of market potential to see WooCommerce as a business say, we need to invest in customer success. And they've been hiring significantly in that direction. They've got some great folks there. And anecdotally, at least, I've been seeing because of the some of the key characteristics of Woo, uh, the ownership, the size of the ecosystem, the flexibility. Uh, I've been seeing a lot more growth at the high end where stores are coming in even from other systems like Shopify Plus and saying, we need that ownership. We need the flexibility. Please give us the support, which is something that's it been great to see Woo responding to. So at least at a high level, given the overall trends of the past few years, I feel like there's a lot of growth in the Woo space in particular uh, on the higher end, or at least where I've been paying attention to
2: and higher end
3: stores that do over a million a year. Yeah. So that's, that's my sense. I'd love to hear Alex's thoughts.
2: Yeah. Alex (laughs) is is the, the WooCommerce market. Is that the number of installs or downloads of the, the actual plugin or is it uh, how would you classify them?
0: So I guess I would look one level deeper. Um, What we normally see in in WordPress that translates into Woo is someone does a thing and it becomes a product category. Like Gravity Forms decide to sell a contact form um, and then like contact forms becomes a product category. That translates very clearly into WooCommerce where you see someone does a thing and in WordPress, WooCommerce, like as a community, we know how to build functionality-driven products um, that cost $100. And so, Someone builds a bunch of those, um, they do well, other people compete with them. And that's generally what the market looks like. If you're an individual WooCommerce product maker right now, trying to make a, a new WooCommerce product, you'd look for what those existing categories, um, what are the opportunities. That would give you a like 5,000 people a month are looking for X, Y, Z. That like paradigm is fine, but um it can't handle new things. What we are starting to see with our inquiries and clients at ellipsis is um like totally uh different, uh, much more SaaS-like um products and businesses exploring WooCommerce as an option and coming up with totally different approaches, like stuff with like orders and fulfillment, um order tracking, like really complicated stuff that is the uh, that is integral to stores. maybe being way more expensive but also way more powerful but those those new categories of products don't necessarily exist with like current paradigm hat on but i think if you can see the future a little bit we don't know how big the market could be because the high end is so high
2: that's a really good way of of sort of separating the, you know, on one hand, Jonathan is, is looking at store and store value, uh, Alex on, on, you know, sort of product categories and, you know, almost fitting into boxes, but then there's this one box that is not quite filled in yet and it's difficult to uh, understand where the boundaries are with these, especially with SaaS Um Jonathan, I know um, you sort of agree sort of on the on the SaaS and purely because I've seen you n- nodding. So uh, I know you've got some further thoughts on that.
3: Yeah, one of the things that I find, I love that Alex brought up paradigms, like how you think about it. Uh, it's kind of basic yet essential in, in my experience to just focus first on, okay, who's the audience and what problems are we solving for them, right? And in this case, if you take the high end, for instance, these stores that do above a million a year, um, I don't know how many there are. Let's let's just say for argument's sake, and I feel like quite conservatively, there there are more than five thousand that do that. And this question of what problems do they have, and what value can you create for them? One of the things that I loved about uh, Alex's work over the years, like doing the, like the Black Friday analysis, is I've had this sense of there's a lot of uh, just copying each other in the space, and that's not a good idea <laughs> like if you I mean it's fine enough like it's fine enough. <laughs> yet it's uh, often a missed opportunity. And if you just take a step back, I remember some of the conversations that I've had uh, with folks trying to come into the woo space. so big store over on Shopify they're coming in and they're like, wait a minute, the subscriptions product, which will be the foundation for my business is only 200 bucks a year. and these are million dollar businesses. And uh, that's almost like disconcerting to them because they're like, wait a minute, (laughs) that's it. (laughs) And like, and of course that once I explain to them, like how it works, like, okay, well, that's great. Yet there's this question mark about it, which uh, suggests this misalignment with value, right? So for me, it's like when you're looking at the space in the market and say, okay, what, who is the audience? What problems do they have? And if you start to look if just take that high end example, then you start to you could see how a hundred dollar a year plug-in is kind of grossly misaligned with value for that audience, and and likely to be a disincentive for them, where they're like, "This is key functionality. We can't, we're not going to pay a hundred dollars a year, even even though it might be perfect for them, right? Like it might be exactly what they need, but you're you're sort of dis you're creating the disincentive by misaligning on value. That's that's something i feel pretty strongly about
2: yeah is there a, a case that we are as, as an industry we have that also as a responsibility that we that we create value that we add value to to woocommerce but are we then in danger that we might you know create a boundary with with us you know the, the startups the, the the new entrepreneurs that want to step up uh, and maybe have to make use of the the, the free plugins, the, you know, the $29 plugins or the whatever, you know.
3: I don't think that's a concern. Uh, I, also, it's worth pointing out that there's different approaches you can take. Like if it's, if there's not a SaaS component to it, like, cause that's a whole other story, right? Like I've seen people who have had like high end premium plugins. There's not a whole lot of them, but there's a few. And if someone can't afford it, like as long as support's not a thing, they would just give it to them, right? Like there's, I don't think there's a, a risk of uh, Mart, and, and also there's always room for someone to undercut and make a new one, right? But the question, like, that's, there's always space for that if if there's really that much price sensitivity. But I think overall, I see a trend of us neglecting value alignment for the higher-end
2: stores. Good point. Um, Alex, if uh, somebody comes to you with a, uh, with a new product, uh, something that's maybe not out there, maybe you have an example in mind, and you want to market that to... The audience um you know whether this is a high end or a low end how difficult or maybe really easy is it to connect with this um with this market because it's such a niche thing that i'm pretty sure that if you throw google ads at it you're not really going to connect with the right uh, people
0: and often people come to us because they spent have much on google ads and it hasn't done the thing so, if you act like a WooCommerce product um, and you're in an existing product category, then it becomes fairly straightforward for people to understand, all right, this is a product for search on WooCommerce stores, and I know what that is, and I know what to expect. I know what to expect in terms of pricing, in terms of support, in terms of quality. And then you provide like some signals that the quality is good, Um etc. If you're in an existing category, then like the, the kind of classic marketing channel approach of like do these four things um at these points is absolutely fine. And we work with clients who like have broken in or are breaking into new products categories with uh like innovations on um what the competition does. That's fine and that's good. If you are something that does something different in WordPress, we're not really set up to understand that right now. You tend to need a you need a vastly different approach if you're actually do, if you're genuinely doing something different and it tends to be a lot of education. Um, it's a potent mix of hype and education to show people what the future could be and then also show them how your solution
3: solves it. But that is more tricky and riskier with higher upside. I've got a couple of thoughts on that. So this is one of the general challenges we face in our ecosystem being as decentralized as we are, right? It's like if you, you can, you have to leverage existing channels, right? And if you have something that's, for instance, at a much higher price point, or like Alex is saying, it sort of fits outside of those. It's like, how do you go to market with it? Right? Ads aren't the best approach. My hypothesis is that the best way to do that in this ecosystem today, at least, is through partnerships. You have to find the companies that are already serving your audience and figure out ways to work with them. Couple examples. With WooCommerce, if you wanna do a high-end product, one of your best uh, approaches is to work with hosting companies that serve the high-end in WooCommerce, right? And figure out an angle to provide mutual value for them. You might also, Look at how could I work with WooCommerce directly, like form a partnership with them, knowing that they have a customer success team, right? That's it's like if you can solve a clear problem, you because it's hard, at least in my experience so far, to to if if you're starting from zero to have access to those audiences that we don't have a centralized app store, like there's you know, it's hard to get them at the right points. So you have to find the folks who are already serving that audience that you're after. And figure out ways to work with them. And that's what I'm seeing both working today. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the future.
2: I think uh, p- partnerships are very, very powerful. My own experience is that on on paper, the first couple of conversations that go really well, you're very much aligned. You, you know, you're talking to a, an audience that where you both can benefit from this uh, this partnership. Often then when it comes to technical integration to make it work and to make it truly awesome that's where things go slightly not right <laughs> to put it in a, in a real polite way um you know developers you you know teams have a a certain vision and and, and roadmap uh, and then for partnership managers to start talking to it just oh wouldn't it be amazing if it could this could do that it's like yeah great let's do it right let's see if it's viable Oh no, it's not. Uh, it's not quite there yet. And then just weeks and months go past, and and it's then a lost opportunity because, yep. you know, as also as a user, putting my user's hat on, I really want to know if a and I'm just u- using my own example if uh, you know le- let's say a, a particular a functionality in WooCommerce is um, um, compatible with a currency switcher because early on in the stage of creating my project I want to know if that and that and that down the line is going to cause a problem and if that's not sort of advertised and tested tested thoroughly but then you add a third plugin into the mix that just throws up anything uh you know unpleasant it also gives quite a bad name of of you know what we're trying to achieve so m- my wish was uh that there is a bit more alignment a bit more framework around it uh Jonathan, you know, I hope you don't mind me sharing, but I know you, you're really passionate about that and you're working <laughs> towards that. So, you know, I, I I I hope this time next year, you know, it's going to be a lot more straightforward than that.
3: I think that compatibility piece is a pretty big, uh, it's a pretty big challenge. And right now there's a lot of opportunity in just the curation side of things, whether you're a hosting company or a service provider to say like, hey, these are the pieces that work together because we don't have standardized frameworks. It's very... It's very one-off, and it requires folks to do now. Like at Yith, you're you're in a better place, for example, because you have more of like a marketplace where you can do some of that broader work. If you take the ecosystem as a whole, though, it's a big question mark, and in general, there's not there's not much uh, aligned incentive to solve the problem. Right? Developers will listen to their customers, but it tends to be very one-off like which plugins are are we hearing the most from and the net effect is a situation where customers are left like how do we know (laughs) how do we know what's working and it's great that we can own all this and it's great that we have all the flexibility we need yet like this isn't working with this and what do i do it's it's a challenge it's and it's a lot of opportunity for yeah the the product folks in the space
2: I mean, Post Status is doing really well, connecting people, connecting companies and having these conversations and channels where you can find each other and say, we've had a few customers, you know, mentioning we'd like to collaborate and, you know, things are happening. So that, that's a really positive thing.
3: Right now, it's all very manual, which is perfectly appropriate and, and probably going to be mostly the case for the next few years. If I'm, if I'm being more realistic <laughs> about what I'd love to see happen yet, uh, it's, it means that there's a lot of opportunity. In the space for people who are wanting to put in the work to innovate to find ways to create more value for the customers that they want to serve
2: yeah alex do you have any more thoughts on partnerships
3: so
0: i mean i, I see that as a problem of like infinite opportunity and scarce resources and right now like remarkably small teams build wordpress and WooCommerce commerce products and uh they have enough resources there's a, there's a future in which that changes just going back a second though to like servicing new products and bringing new things to market like we need to talk about the e-commerce marketplace in that context i see that as a really key piece of the ecosystem uh yeah like essential for the success of the platform in the medium and long term so that people have a source to uh buy and find trusted extensions and there are some there are a hundred there are a hundred different versions of what that looks like but certainly like hands-on search whatever on the marketplace things like that feel interesting to get more people building woocommerce stuff because then when they come to me the answer isn't we're going to need a year and this is what we need to do it's we can buy your first customers yep um and this is a much more sensible decision to build things on Woo. and 100 versions of what that looks like um but i do see the marketplace as getting that right as as completely essential for platform success
2: They've done a lot of work on the marketplace and accepting more and more plugins while trying to keep the standards high. I know it has have uh, they have had their challenges and I think they still exist. Uh, I'm now speaking as uh, you know the feedback I got from my wife, who sort of tried to put two plugins together and it just didn't work. And you know, okay, the refund was very quick, easy, straightforward, but at the end she left as a, a frustrated customer and then looking at at other ideas and looking outside of the marketplace and from all all scales of the um of of the woocommerce user it is a frustrating thing um before you then start to look at developing your own um If I may move to the sort of the next big topic, which comes down to pricing and pricing a premium product i mean Jonathan you you touched on it a little bit already. You know, $100 for a store that has a turnover of a million um, seems unfair, um, but somebody that's just starting out and needs a, a range of plugins or services, you know, $100 is, is quite a lot. How can we protect the, the product developer, you know, to, to have enough incentive to keep innovating, but also have make it accessible enough that all users can use it and on the other hand, you have the top end that also <laughs> needs to get the good value. But it's difficult, isn't it?
3: Well, I, I'll throw an initial thought in here. and I'm really curious to hear what Alex thinks. What I'd like to see, given my sense, and I could be wrong, but I think I'm right about this. What I'd like to see is uh, like WooCommerce-focused products in like the $200 a month range all the way up to like $2,000 a month with a... Uh, the high end being more of a service component to it, like uh, so. It's like the low end; it's like two hundred bucks a month, and it's solving a key problem for this. Let's let's call them the the top five thousand sites in WooCommerce, um, where it's like you don't have to have more than a couple hundred of those to have a pretty decent business if you're a small uh, smaller provider, right? And and there's a lot of opportunity to then grow from there, and you could go down market if you wanted to expand, like having a lighter version or smaller version. That's what I offer is I think where there's a lot of opportunity as an anchor is to think, what could you do? And, and for me, the the basic formula is if I wanted to have a $200 a month product, which is interesting for a number of reasons, whether it's SaaS or not, how could I create something that provides at least 10x value to my customer? And that to me is why I feel like there's golden opportunity here, because for these stores doing above a million a year in revenue. And there's some pretty crazy ones out there. It's th- There's no there's no question mark about their ability to pay for it. It just doesn't create value for them.
0: I think that we just need to start doing things slightly differently. And the trouble is that the first people to do that might not be rewarded for doing that. And thus, no one wants to do it. When when we can see that the two thousand dollar a month plugin works, like people will see that as an opportunity and, and go for it. But you essentially need to to run the product and the service component of something like that. You need like agencies to start uh, looking seriously at this kind of thing, and when they can, you know, bill huge hours on on the one customer with like a with a normal yep. agent model then you can't sell when people do that there's not much incentive yeah but we need to start doing things slightly differently like ronald to to how do you do all those things that you were describing the answer is like some sort of usage-based pricing but that requires much more of a service component that is how you can capture revenue scaling with uh store revenue whilst also making it cheaper for uh, people who are starting their
2: journeys mail marketing platforms do it for example hosting platforms do it based on yep. usage
0: yep yeah and, and anything like anything api based that becomes much more doable but that's going to require the industry to shift away from annual plans training customers to like, to completely to rethink what it look like well this this, is, this isn't this isn't uh, weakness, but I found it really interesting that Rank Math came out as like some a new content AI thing last week, and uh, they're using uh, like to- like tokens for it. Like you get this many tokens. I think they haven't. Uh, this may this may be wrong. This may have changed by the time this comes out. As I understood it, they were. Uh, going to sell them on a monthly basis going forwards, but they hadn't done that yet. They'd just given people a bunch to test. Ah, interesting. And people really didn't understand that they were like one-off tokens and they wouldn't be coming back. Like I was reading their Facebook page. It was just full of like, so I get these new ones each year? Like, are they free? Like, The the idea that it was more SaaS-like was just really, really confusing to people.
3: I think they did a perfectly fine job of explaining it to people, but it was just that customers and, and to the point that you made at the beginning Alex there's this degree to which you have to keep going and like the, it's the early ones that don't tend to be as as obviously rewarded right because if you if you didn't have a bigger picture view you could just see all the negative reaction or presumably and not necessarily negative but confusion and it's like oh maybe we screwed up and we need to reverse where like that's a good example if I'm hearing you right of, of a usage based model right that that you could scale to to value. Like the WooCommerce marketplace can't
0: handle products with monthly revenue right now. Not not right now, no. And I'm sure that will come in time, but there are there are loads of problems to solve here,
3: and I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. It it is to the point that you made that there is the degree to which we need to see people do it first. We have a few examples. One that I like a lot is what Till has done with Object Cache Pro. Right, like He's got this this plug-in that sees most of its growth on the WooCommerce side. And it is in that $100 a month territory. I've suggested he increases it. And he's got that $2,000 a month high end. And he's selling it. And it's been a... But it took him kind of not caring (laughs) about the market and saying, there's value here. I'm going to do it this way. And it's taken some time. But now it's built to a point where... He's got a, a full business that he's able to grow.
2: Oh, that's a really good uh, example, Jonathan, because it's, you know, brave people like that who don't really care.
3: <laughs> yeah, so you don't care. know if it's going to work or not. Yeah. yeah and, uh, and when he showed me, it's like, wow, this is really working. Customers are happy. They don't care about the price. Most of them, anyway. I mean, he always gets questions. Okay. But overall, like the customers that he wants to serve, which is that high end... They're happy to do it all day long. We need more like that.
2: Yeah, and he will drag the industry with him if he if he sticks to it, and the, the success uh, is shared with everybody else. It it will add value to everybody. And but then it's also great that you know there are options for newcomers if you are a new store, and you know there are yeah.
3: exactly. And there's and like in his case, he has the free version, which is super popular, right? Like there's different there's different approaches. I want a situation where. Like, I think I'm right that there's a lot of opportunity in that 200 to $2,000 a month space. At some point though, and, and to Alex's point, it might be more on like just the agency side. I think there's even more opportunity than that. Like for businesses that are doing even higher revenue, like there's, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity in this space and we need more people willing to try.
1: Hey, Bob WP here. And I'd like to take a moment to thank two of our pod friends for their support of Do the Boo. Great SEO and clean oceans, maybe not always hand in hand, but in this case at Yoast, you will get 30% off all Yoast products during their Black Friday sale starting November 25th. With your own or your client's WooShop, the Yoast WooCommerce extension boosts products so they stand out in search results. Plus, you can add extra SEO features to your store while getting the best practical technical SEO for e-commerce optimization automatically. And yes, for each order they receive, they are donating $1 to the Ocean Cleanup Foundation. Great SEO and clean oceans can be found at Dios.com. When it comes to your client sites, for Woo Builders, it helps you to know that 57% of consumers under the age of 35 are making online purchases more than twice a week. Yet nearly 70% of those consumers in North America have data privacy concerns when they shop. 5,000 online shoppers shared how they shop in 2021 and how they prefer to hear from e-commerce brands. So what does this mean for WooCommerce builders? Find out in the 2021 Klaviyo Consumer Report. You can access the full report the Clavio Friends of the podcast profile at dothewood.io slash friends slash And now let's head back to the show.
2: Um, I've got a, um, just a thought. I remember this myself speaking with uh, customers who own stores. And they they see plugins, they see it priced as. And then to educate them that instead of spending, you know, let's say a thousand pounds or dollars a year on on servers and plugins, they now need to spend 20,000, which, you know, we all know we can argue that if you had to rent a brick and mortar store, this is still by far nothing. You know, 20,000 is probably even, even little with the examples that Jonathan just shared. Do you think that the... Store owner, and then maybe the middle to large ones are educated enough that it will make the the job of developers easier to do to to step onto this next level of you know increased pricing. I'm not quite sure if I'm framing it right here, but I think you know there's there's on one hand we 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 talking to the developer to the to the implementer to the, the the agency, and on the other hand we have the customer who. It's savvy enough to understand because they know well how much Shopify costs. They've done their research. They they've looked on WooCommerce and they now just need somebody to you know put it together. But then you know you have the person in the middle uh, having to defend. Well, actually, with your sort of store size, you now have to start paying two hundred or even two thousand dollars per month.
0: I feel like there's a load of there's a load of missing pieces here and. You know, whenever you talk to Jonathan for ten minutes, you think about all the things we don't know and what those could be. Yeah, I mean so simultaneously people are used to paying small amounts of products and huge amounts of products um in in and out of, of, of Woo. Um Do we need to educate people? I think we need to show people what the future is and show people what they'd be able to do. There is I uh, I just fundamentally feel like um that like first ten years of WooCommerce has less people build online stores, sure, but we've come like we're like one percent complete. I feel like there's there's just so much more to do um and over the next like twenty years. Things will, though. I think I think we'll look back on how things are now and think it's all quite funny.
3: I think the next key opportunity in this space is just how do we how do we better align with business value? To take the examples I was sharing earlier, it's like these businesses, and Alex mentioned it, like they're used to at the high end, they're used to paying a lot of money, in like the Shopify ecosystem, for instance, like there's lots of they have the the SaaS APIs, so you can have like the monthly and usage billing and all that, and so. On the one hand, we don't want to uh, lose some of that that attraction of like the lower total cost of ownership that you get in WordPress. On the other hand, we get too scared about it sometimes when it's like we've gone from, as Alex was describing, people building stores on Woo to the way that I think of it now. It's like entire businesses. I, I have a, a good friend who went from selling a couple hundred bucks a year to a multi-million dollar business that's all on Woo. He's in manufacturing and kind of doing all this stuff. And This Taking that just subscription business example, if you have a multi-million dollar a year subscription business on Woo, there's a disconnect when you're only paying a couple hundred bucks for the core functionality that powers it, right? Because something can go wrong. So I think as we see more and more of these businesses being built where they care about ownership, they need the flexibility, they want to be a part of this ecosystem, the opportunity is to say, how do we better align with value and give choice I think the thing that we can do really well in our space is to not try and like force people to, it's like, oh, you can only get this product at the highest end. It's like, no, give them the opportunity uh, where they see that value alignment, like add in the service component or kind of whatever it is, but it's higher support. Give them the opportunity to align with the value to their business. That's the thing I see is missing right now, where we feel like, like to the points that Alex has made, you know, there's a lot of just copying, right? Or it's like, oh, I can't do that um it's like no like this this is worth a lot to them align with it and then reinvest accordingly like make it better
2: choice is a really good word i think that's that's the power we can give to store owners it's is choice you, you you can choose whatever you want and swap it and change it and upgrade it
3: and let's create more choices for the high end is the overall thing i would say because right now there's not a lot of choices and it's 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 an underserved market that I think gives a lot of growth opportunity for product creators in this space to have more resources to to innovate and create better things
0: but uh whilst I agree with everything as always, I don't think we know how to sell those in WordPress. That's fair yeah um if you look at like the the evolution of enterprise services on WordPress, you had dot com VIP. Uh, Automatic bought a bunch of agencies, more like 2012, 13, 14. Now you have things like Human Mates Altis is like genuine, healthy competition there. But effectively, Automatic got that category started. Like there was an obvious opportunity. Yep. The high end, yeah. Right. Um, I kind of see, see the same thing here. And... Maybe we just need that door to be held open for everyone,
3: probably by WooCommerce directly, or maybe through VIP. I don't know. Well, to to your point there, I think one of the specific opportunities. There's a few that are starting to do this. Um, Alex, you introduced me to Tom at Convesio. Uh, there, like I think we need to see more. Uh, one of the opportunities is for the, the the hosting side of things to have higher and higher end offerings, and within the context of those higher end offerings to what we talked about earlier, that's where the partnership opportunities to, can tend to be for products wanting to serve that category. So like, I think that's a good starting point because it's as, as uh, Ronald mentioned, tied to usage, right? So it's like, if you could identify the hosts out there, VIP being a good example, because they have a, they have a pretty mature technology partnership program. I just don't know how much they're doing with Woo yet, uh, where it's like identify those serving the high end, and find ways to align with value for that audience. And the quite immature space, at least from my perspective right now, is like WooCommerce hosting on the high end. Like, we're starting to see some innovation there. There's starting to be growth. Yet, it's still pretty immature.
2: Things are changing there, isn't it, in the, uh, in the ecosystem? I don't know yeah. if you want to talk about the latest acquisition of uh, GoDaddy, but uh, <laughs> they, they seem pretty, pretty strong with their message uh, in, the, in the blog yeah. post. But, there is um, change. Yeah, I, I must say we, we also noticed um, that high end demand, and we are working on the idea of, of this elite package, or not even a package, but the you know the the,
3: the offerings, yeah, the choice. offerings,
2: yeah, to and, and have a totally different relationship with these agencies rather than here's a plugin, download, install, um, offer support, but you know that's as far as it goes. So I think that the market is is brewing, but it just needs a bit more time.
0: But even in even in like regular WordPress, where the enterprise offering is more mature, like the the low end is still, you could just do that and have really significant business. That's true. Yeah, and it's not the case that everyone needs to start working out what they're enterprise subscription offering looks like there's there's certainly space for both categories and as agreed i think one of the things we don't know is to what extent like shift to e-commerce in general works like if someone starts an online store like is it the case that they get their first sale and then their 100th sale and they grow and they spend more as that goes on like does that actually work in practice or do people get their First sale, and then the tenth sale, and then no more sales.
3: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, Alex. I, I tend to be pretty focused on on the high end and the enterprise. Yet, you can build excellent, like high, very profitable, sustainable mm-hmm. businesses serving what is you know this very large ecosystem. And uh, I, I see the gap on the high end. Yet there's also question marks about okay, what does it look like to one of the things I, I loved about that I've seen with Woo is that it's growing outside of WordPress. There are people who are hearing about WooCommerce that haven't heard about WordPress. And so which is good when we think about the ecosystem as a whole, like more coming in. But there's these question marks about, well, how do you how do you serve that audience effectively? And we also for that for that lower end, we shouldn't assume we shouldn't just look at you know, what everyone else is doing. That's the easier thing, and it's fine, but yeah,
2: Jonathan. Sorry, I, I, this is this is quite interesting because uh, I always Robert Jacoby, you know, host on um, a round table, He always joke with 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 me because that's the, one of my questions. Like, at what point does uh, WordPress increase because of WooCommerce? Or you know, I'm assuming we still you know WooCommerce is driven by WordPress. But it, there comes a point when then this is tipping. And I think in terms of hosting and product development. I think it's WooCommerce taking the lead now because we see that there is uh, a willingness to spend more. So these little signals, and now you've brought that up. Yeah. Ooh, I'm going to have to ask the question again to him soon.
3: It's hard to know, like, because we all have our own confirmation biases, the things that we see, right? Like... Like we see a lot of a certain thing where like there's more of this. And this is the general challenge that I see across the space is that for better or for worse, people get locked into like, this is what I'm seeing. It's like, well, it's also what you're looking for. And WordPress for most of us is just a lot bigger than we realize, right? Like there's entire product categories and verticals out there that people haven't even heard of. I remember doing research a few years ago and discovered that like enterprise resource management was a category in WordPress. And I was like, what is this? And it was, it's it's there's just these these categories that we're not aware of. So in general, if I if I only said one thing, it's like I want to see people just be a lot more curious and thinking outside of what they see in front of them, and asking more questions. Because WordPress is so decentralized, it's there isn't like where do you learn this, right? It, it's able to evolve in pockets. Uh, where and a lot of our focus will tend to be on just English. There are really fast growing markets outside of English. And that that are very underserved, and uh, I think the commerce side of it is, to me at least, it feels like a key ingredient. But I don't know what I don't know, right? Like it's it's at least observationally, it's a key ingredient to I think a lot of additional growth in WordPress.
2: Yeah, Alex, did you want to add anything? Otherwise, I'm going to f- jump over to the next fun topic.
0: Yeah, just on that, um, there was an interview with meh, Mullenweg. It was on a protocol, like a technology uh, news like, in which Matt, there, it was an oversummer. Matt talked about uh, the potential for funding within different segments of Automatic to be separated. There was no more detail than that. but what I read from that was we could see uh, WooCommerce financially do something different from the rest of Automatic, which intrigued me a lot. That uh, opens up all sorts of options for uh, letting Automatic invest more in WooCommerce as, as is needed. I don't know if more is possible, sensible from, I don't know what's currently going on. That was the first time I'd seen that later. That was very interesting. And the suggestion was that uh, you would do that because of differing growth rates within different product businesses within Automatic. I.e., we come out as scoring faster.
3: I'm struggling with whether I can comment on that.
2: No, not. I was going to say, I'm not going to pass it to <laughs> Jonathan in case he's breaching his contract. But shall we just I, leave it to that and then let well, everybody else speculate? I'll just say
3: this. Alex, I think you're on to something.
2: <laughs> Very interesting thought, uh, Alex. Maybe we should have started the, uh, the episode. Um, I'm going to just jump to the last uh, subject, and it's a question, uh, which especially this time of year is questioned by a lot of product teams. What are the boundaries of what the WordPress, WooCommerce ecosystem uh, tolerates when it comes to marketing an offer, a product around Black Friday? And I'm not going to mention the big pink elephant here, but I think we all know who we're talking about. Um, so, for example, in the past, we've had companies which have been, you know, plug companies that offer a really good service, been bought up. Uh, a lot of users, and then suddenly a month down the line, it's, it's sort of changing their business and um, you know offering a, a premium model. Everybody has to upgrade. That didn't go down very well. Alex, do you have any examples of you think, ooh you can go that far, but that's really going too far?
0: Look, we all love a good WTAvern article and a good bit of outrage. Um, With no marketplace for WooCommerce where everyone sells on, i.e. like most products so most products on the marketplace there's no there's no like central authority for deciding what you can and can't do It's up to individual product makers and individual product makers will come to very different conclusions about what they think they can get away with and what they think is acceptable i we work with plenty of clients who have an email list where people have opted in to receive marketing messages and they do not want to bother people with their marketing messages and it comes to black friday and like aren't they they will tell us that they don't want to send emails because they find it annoying when they get emails. And I'm like, this is a marketing email list. Like, if you're not going to use it now, then let's just delete it. And sometimes we do delete it. And those are decisions we want to make, and that's fine. And that's how they want to run their business. Other companies will be more aggressive. And that is their prerogative. Are they morally wrong? I'm not going there. <laughs> For what it's worth, I do think that um like what Yoast did last year was fine, and uh, in terms of like who receives criticism, it is wildly inconsistent. Like uh, with what what gets like named and shamed and what people get away with, and Yoast in general, I do think specifically a very considerate and thoughtful um on what the impact of these things are, and I thought last year was fine. People are going to do that thing again this year and Yost probably won't because they because people got upset last year,
3: but someone else will and that'll happen until the end of time. I think it's, I'll offer a piece of unsolicited advice for anyone listening. Um, tavern, yeah, it can be a lot of fun, <laughs> yet I, I think it's a, a ge- in general a mistake to give it too much attention because it's a small set of of vocal voices, right? That don't, for many, represent their customer base. Now, sometimes it does and there's there's great alignment, but I think that's the assumption question. It's like, I've seen a few situations where folks have like, I feel overreacted to the negative feedback where it could be just the sense of what's normal or what's acceptable in this space, even though that's gonna change. And like you said, it's not consistent, right? Like one player is gonna get a lot more criticism in general. The, whatever the jetpack team does is going to get more criticism, right? At least, at least within like the tavern crowd. So from my point of view, it's like, you got to take it with a grain of salt and ask yourself, who am I serving? And is this, is this meeting their needs, regardless of what I'm hearing from uh, the tavern-esque uh, audiences? Easier said than done. I know because like it can be quite the, the thing when you're getting pressure from like, Hey, this is here. We got to do something with it. It's like, but step back and say, Am I doing right by my customers now? To Alex's point, I think I got my first uh, Black Friday promo email like two weeks ago from a WordPress plug, and I was like, "Guys, <laughs> a month ahead." I, okay, that's
2: for twenty twenty two.
3: But it, it's it's interesting. It's interesting because there aren't like clear standards, and so yeah.
2: Well, it is who, whoever can shout the loudest, loudest of course. You, <laughs> it th- seems. There was a there was a talk uh, every year probably It's like, "Oh, should we allocate a." Pays in the dashboard where people can market their premium service you know and you can opt in or out to, to receive that <laughs> is there any any power behind that is that still a topic or is that always post Black Friday and then it uh, leads to nothing what do
3: you think Alex
0: so notifications not being great in WordPress and people being able to faster big messages means they will faster big messages and yeah, sure. Like every every six months, I see a screenshot of a site that someone's looked into, and it is just a terrible time and a terrible <laughs> user experience. Not as bad, as, uh, but what if you can do it? People will though. Um, the, uh, on the repository, like there can be standards about what you kind can of can't do, but people it, WordPress is open source, and people selling even premium ones directly on their own sites can and will do whatever they want. That doesn't feel like the core issue to focus on. A lot of what I see is that while simultaneously with people not wanting to annoy customers. And the vast majority of, of product owners are very thoughtful about what their offer should be and um, how they should present it to people. But there's a lot of FOMO going on with, uh, on the product side with uh, what they should and shouldn't do. Because you see, like, so-and-so did so-and-so much revenue. And in one week, they, you know, did more revenue than the rest of the year. And these kind of fanciful stories drive a lot of FOMO. And so people are, see social pressure to uh, copy one another. And in a space where copying each other is very easy and very popular. Um, yeah, I'm, it's, it, you draw a straight line to how it like gets out of hand. Should WordPress like try and solve that? Uh, probably, yeah,
3: but it's not top of the list. And the challenge, let's take notifications, for example. It's like this question of aligned incentives, right? Because there's been some good projects working on it. In general, one of the things that surprised me about working at Woo was how much friendlier the Woo ecosystem is to business. I'm oversimplifying. Whereas WordPress, we tend to have this like, not an aversion to it because we recognize, but there's just, I don't know, there's just this uh, a fairly vocal minority of folks who seem to be anti-business. and And not for... Like, and then the, it's quick to find examples of things that get out of hand, right? But there's this overall. I think we're we're more concerned than is is healthy in our relationship with the WordPress ecosystem as a whole about what this looks like in WooCommerce. Because I came into it being quite sensitive and and realizing that oh wow, like a lot of these store owners, like this is not a big deal to them. They make money. They don't mind paying for things, and let's just figure out ways to make their life uh, more straightforward. So. I'm curious to see how this the stuff evolves. Notifications being a good example, because I would expect that if core had a way of doing it, it's going to be probably one of the more "quote unquote" anti-business <laughs> approaches.
2: Yeah, and if it's linked to community contributions and those sort of things, because you know a lot of the the marketing is is sort of linked to the two sponsorship and 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 contribution to core. Uh, it's 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 a it's delicate tricky. balance and i must say also we we you know as a company we've we find it really difficult to abide by you know what are acceptable rules it's you know after all we we support 50 team members um and y- of course you do want to you want to do well and and make it a you know a better event than than last year it is incredibly difficult so i think i'd like to see some guidelines of what's accept- acceptable or not you know because of also, what happened to ourselves two years ago, we've, we've toned it down a little bit. But, you know, nevertheless, it's...
3: I'll offer my, my advice on this, is that for now, I think your, your best path in general is still this idea of working with partnerships, right? Because if it's like you work with a hosting company, for instance, who has the customers and you come out, with, work out a deal with them... Then you're, you're effectively circumventing this. It's like, all right, you can, you can take it on a per case basis and say, with this partner, we're going to do this type of deal. We're not worried about, like, we're just serving them. We're not worried about the ecosystem as a whole. It, it's a circumventing of the bigger problem. But practically speaking, it's, I think, uh, one of the clearest paths right now.
2: Yeah, I like that. I think it's maybe a, a good, good topic to end this, uh, this conversation on because I think partnerships is is such a massive topic also for 2022 uh, and maybe it's something we can revisit um, early next year and maybe look at some opportunities and some ideas of what plug-in uh, developers, but also hosting and, and SaaS products can, can work on and collaborate on. Um, so maybe just some final thoughts. Um, Alex, anything you'd like to share?
0: I'm starting to think about themes for next year um, and in WooCommerce, the, the thing that most interests me is figuring out what the medium term looks like. I think we're very good at looking at the short term um, because that's what drives sales tomorrow. But I, I want to know more about how people are going to use stores like and, and how people are currently using them and how it's going to change and what they need. I, I don't, I don't know a lot about that stuff. And I think as a community, we also don't know a lot about that stuff. That's
2: my like area
3: to think about.
2: Nice. Jonathan.
3: I like that idea of focusing on the medium term. I tend to get overly focused on the long term at times where it's just like, all right, what does this look like? The medium term is probably where the most money is to be made. <laughs> or the next bit. Uh, uh, just, Taking my my favorite thread of partnerships, I think encouraging people to just ask, uh, for those listening, to ask the question of like, all right, who is my audience? What problems do they have? Partnerships is all about how you connect with that audience, right? So it's like if you want to serve the high end, a partnership with a hosting provider that serves the low end is not going to get you there, right? Right. So I I think the opportunity in this space is to say, okay, who are the folks that are serving? It could be another product company. It could be, Alex mentioned education, right? If you can find the folks that are educating the customer base that you want to serve, that can lead to opportunities. But it it starts with just being really clear on who do you want to serve. And where I would challenge people in general is don't make assumptions about who that is. Because a lot of folks might just say, oh, I'm going to serve you know, the average WooCommerce. Like, well, what does that mean? Like, what verticals do you want to focus on? What size, what problem sets do they have? And there's not a right or wrong. I've expressed my bias towards the high end because it feels underserved. Just being clear though, and then saying, okay, what type-
2: And we need that high end as well. We do, you do. To you serve the, the, the medium. Yes,
3: so it's it's an important one. Yet it's you as a product owner asking, uh, who am I here to serve? How can I connect with them? and and be creative about that don't make assumptions because there's going to be innovations that we haven't expected yet uh, especially i expect to see more like outside of our ecosystem where you know maybe there's someone who serves a particular vertical that's pretty untouched yet with woo and wordpress and would respond really well to this message of ownership and flexibility in this broader ecosystem yet needs to be served in their way and and using their language no pun intended uh, but perhaps, uh, perhaps so, and I think if you start with that, just being really clear on who that is, don't make assumptions. A lot of opportunities are going to open up.
2: Yeah, I think those are great thoughts. I also want to add that um Woo is now also part of the uh, the Post Status Network, two really good platforms to stay, you know, tuned in because a lot about. You know what I'm talking about is is the bigger bigger vision of the future and what we're working on, what we can improve on, and conversations like this are just really useful for me and hopefully to lots of other people. Um, if they want to ask you a personal question, Jonathan, what's the like connect with you?
3: If someone wants to connect, um, Twitter is great, Sir Jonathan on Twitter, or uh, hit me up in the post status uh, Slack.
2: Yeah, Alex, for you to connect with you. Uh, I'm at
3: Alex Stenning
0: on Twitter. Um, yeah, I'm on Slack's, Presta's, we? WordPress. Well, thank you both
2: very much for uh, joining. Um, and see you next time. Hey
1: everyone, thanks again for tuning in to today's show. I'd like to give one more shout out to our two pod friends. Don't miss 30% off everything at Yoast.com starting November 25th. And make sure and get access to the 2021 Clavio Consumer Report. You will find the link at do the woo.io slash friends slash Clavio. And of course, you can always stay on top of our episodes by subscribing to it on your favorite podcast app. And until next time, keep on doing the woo.